Lord Jesus, show us that sin is not our master because we are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. What gets to define you? What gets to determine who you are? If you, like me, uh, live and have grown up in a Western society in the 21st century, well then, your reflexive answer to that question is probably, no one but me. Right? That's the, the cultural air that we breathe. I get to define myself. I get to determine who I am, and I can be whoever and whatever I want to be. Our culture tells us that the, the only true source of identity is within the individual. That the only limit to our potential is our imagination. And that to accept the definition of anyone else is to be somehow less than human. But if you think that the height of humanity is to define yourself, then you are defining humanity according to the temptation of Satan in the garden. And that was the original sin in the Garden of Eden. See, God was the one who created Adam and Eve, and it was he who named them human beings, man, and he was the one whose right it was to define who they were, his representation and image on earth, and what they should do to fill the earth and subdue it and to rule over everything for the good of creation and for his glory. But the serpent tempted Adam and Eve with the prospect of defining themselves, of throwing off God's authority and the purpose and responsibility that he had given to them. And once they had thrown off his repressive definition and limitations, then Satan's promise was that they could be whoever they decided to be and do whatever they decided to do. But you know what Satan's plan of self-definition got them. Broken relationships as they defined themselves in opposition to each other. A broken world that couldn't fulfill the purpose for which it was created. Broken lives that ended in death that self-defined sin earns. Ever since that day, the problem with self-definition is this. If you think you're defining yourself, then you're actually just accepting the identity of your sinful nature. You're defining yourself according to your sinful desires. I am whatever I want to be. 
I do whatever I want to do. We think this constitutes freedom. But what it really does is it, is it enslaves us to our most basic impulses. It degrades us to the status of animals that don't have any higher purpose or responsibility than satisfying our own appetites. Ultimately, such a self-definition and a self-identification gives sin the crown and the throne to rule our lives and bids it take us where it will. And it does. It does to death and hell. But in baptism, in baptism, God undoes the devil's work. God sends forth his Holy Spirit to break into our lives and take back what is rightly his, the right to define and name and identify his creation. And when in baptism God identifies us, he identifies us in Christ, with Christ. That is, he connects us to him by faith and declares that what is true of Jesus is also true of us. When God looks at you and me, baptized Christians, he sees us clothed in Christ. And so he declares our identity to be the one that he declared at Christ's baptism. My son, my daughter, whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. A baptized child of God. Someone whom God has identified, unified with Jesus by faith, has a totally changed relationship with sin. And Paul describes this in Romans chapter 6. He says, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. See, we used to live to sin. Our sinful nature was the ruling power and authority that controlled our hearts, our lives, our bodies. And sin was what we did with our hearts and our lives and our bodies. But in our baptism, God took our lives, lived to sin, and he ended them by connecting us to Christ. See, at one time, Jesus, too, lived our life in our world, ruled by sin. And he felt all of sin's effects and oppression. And though he never gave in to sin, yet in his love for you, he took our sin on himself and took its wages of death and hell on the cross. But when he had suffered death and hell, realize this. At that point, sin's power was spent it had done its worst. It had fired its last shot. And it had nothing left it could do to him. 
Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died to sin. And for most people, that would be be the end of the story. Death and hell is the final stop on sin's railroad, but not for Jesus. Because of his perfect faithfulness to his Father and his perfect submission and commitment to his grand plan of salvation, Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, and now he lives. He lives again, but not and no longer to sin. No, sin has lost all its power over him, all its power to hurt and harm and tempt and oppress. Instead, Jesus is alive to God to serve his Father as the ruler of all and the Savior of humanity until he comes again. What that means for you is this. In Christ, you are beyond sin's clutches. Because our life lived to sin is connected with Jesus in baptism, the us that was ruled by sin is dead and buried in Jesus' grave. God has broken sin's power over you. It doesn't control your heart, your life, your body. You are not bound to bring sin into this world through your thoughts and words and actions. Along with Jesus, you are dead to sin. And now, because we have been united with Christ by faith in baptism, we also live Death to sin was not the end of Jesus' story, and so death to sin is not the end of ours. Now we share in Christ's resurrection, and we live a new life to God. Where we used to be separated from God by our sin, now we are welcomed into his family. Where we used to be at war with God, now we are at peace. Where we used to be objects of wrath, God now calls us his heirs. And he promises to us every good thing, including the resurrection of our bodies and eternal life in a new creation. The life you've been living since your baptism is an eternal life that death cannot end because Jesus already lives. It's only a matter of time before your body is brought into what your soul already enjoys by faith. And in the meantime, we live in Christ, a life with no continuity to the life of sin we lived before. It is a new life, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We serve and glorify God, the God who has changed our identity and given us eternity. We serve him with our whole heart and life and body. Now as we unpack the truth of what Paul describes for us in Romans chapter 6, maybe you're already sensing a bit of tension. This is how God has defined you, right? As dead to sin and alive to him, your sinful nature was drowned in baptism. But, it's pretty clear that that sinful nature is a good swimmer. 
You know very well that you feel the pull to once again define yourself however you see fit, to be and do whatever you want. And so the problem is, is huge and it's persistent. How can baptized children of God learn to identify themselves as what God declares them in their baptism to be? This issue comes to a head, doesn't it, when we face temptation? Paul's question pops so easily into our minds and our hearts. What shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Oh, the old self loves that idea. It says with the, the snarky philosopher, God loves to forgive. Well, I love to sin. What a great arrangement. But for the Christian, such an approach is unthinkable. Paul tells us using the strongest possible Greek negative, by no means, no way. What God has given you, what God has made you in baptism makes such a life unthinkable. It would be like if you retired from work on a Friday, big going away party, celebration, you gave your speech, you said all your goodbyes, and you went home to enjoy your retirement, and then you showed up on Monday for work. Your boss would look at you like you were crazy. You left this behind. This is in your past. Go and do your retirement things. This isn't you anymore. Or, or it's like if you, if you wrote your last check to the bank to pay off your mortgage, to own your house in full, and you celebrated it. Yes, finally, we're out from the, the burden of debt. And then the very next month, you send another payment to the bank. Your banker would probably call you up and say, what in the world are you doing? What are you thinking? You paid this off. This is done. This is in your past. What are you doing? Still doing the things you did. Anyone who does that is living a life disconnected from reality. And only a Christian who doesn't know who they truly are in Christ would live as if sin still ruled. Instead, instead of just leaning into the sin that grace might increase, instead Paul tells us, remember who you are. In a way he says, return to your baptism. Every day, remember who God made you to be there. He says, count yourselves, think of yourselves, identify yourselves as dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Friends, when you, when you lose sight of your identity in Christ, when you catch yourself nursing a love of sinning, when you, when you hold in your heart the guilt of sin and wonder if, if that's just who you are now, remember that you are in Christ. Return to God's promises in Christ, the ones that he made at your baptism. Even if your life as a child of God has been inconsistent and up and down, God 
and his word are unchanging and ever true. His nail-pierced hands are spread wide to receive you, to remind you, to keep you in the grace that he has brought you into. Luther wrote in his explanation of what baptism means for our daily lives. Baptism means, you know it, that the sinful nature in us should be drowned by daily contrition and repentance and that all its evil deeds and desires be put to death. Whatever life your sinful nature shows, however it might try to claim back a part of your identity, take that to Jesus. Drown it every day by rejecting it as something foreign and laying it in the grave of Christ where it belongs. Never, never, ever to rise again. And then, trusting him to empower you with his spirit, let a new person daily arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Baptized brothers and sisters in Christ. Because Jesus died to sin and now lives to God, that is who you are. He will give you the power to be who he has made you to be. I know this is the time of the church here when we focus on Jesus' cross at this Lenten season. We, we mute our praise. But even so, our eyes are always on the empty tomb. And the empty tomb is the proof of the power that God gives and works in you. After all, if God can raise the dead to everlasting life, then what's to say? He can't raise people like you and me to the same new and eternal life in him. Amen. The peace of God which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue with our next hymn, number 561, stanza.